Hey there, Trek Off fans. The Enlight Podcast Network and Trek Off have a lot of cool things coming for you this summer, including DS9. Yes, Alexia has finished it. We're going to be talking about it. You pop over to Pop Off. You're going to be hearing stuff about Harry Potter and Transformers. We're going to have the return of the hot mess with Phil Stamper, more Ninjas versus You, and best of all, Ninjas versus Vampires is now available for Netflix streaming. It's for free. If you have Netflix streaming, you can just get it and watch it for free, just like these podcasts. So that's it. Now enjoy Trek Off. It's time for Trek Off. You gotta still do the show, right? Welcome into Trek Off. I'm Justin. <laughs> and I'm Alexia. And you're confused. Yes. It's well, um, it's International German Week in Germany right now. Where everyone you in Germany. You just made that shit up. Pretends, what, the, what the fuck is that? I'm sorry. Everyone in Germany pretends to be German all week long. Well, that sounds amazing. It's amazing. You know what's funny to me? Because <laughs> every other week, so you, oh, I see, I get it. Because every other week, they actually are German. Well, what's, but what's, they're just pretending. Okay, so this is what always fascinated me about <laughs> German stereotypes, um, is that, that German like Germans have two very staunchly different stereotypes, right? The, the fat Lederhosen wearing, beer swiggling, you know, bearded, you know, Doing the dance, you know. <laughs> doing the dance. <laughs> you know, the, I'm, I'm essentially saying the Festals from Bush Garden. Sure, um, sure. <laughs> um, and then you have, of course, the the you know the Nazi, very mm. you know militaristic, organized. It's so different. Like the body types are different. The stereotypes. One is very relaxed and friendly. It's just interesting as stereotypes. Yeah, they're very. Go, yeah, they're very different. They, they'd be polar so opposites di- almost. Be so dichotomous that those two stereotypes. You just wanted to use the word dichotomous in a sentence. Thank that's just really what happened right that there. That was as I was like all of that set up like you were like i can see it all machinating in your brain yeah. earlier yeah, like you, you just wanted to say <laughs> machinating that's all you wanted to do i did i played it out at about two o'clock so, today yeah i was i was i was at home i was at, at home last night going, <laughs> going you know what i'm gonna say dichotomous he's like I'm gonna, this is how i'm tomorrow. gonna do it i'm gonna do this whole german thing about and it's germany. gonna be ridiculous and then <laughs> i'm gonna be like oh speaking of germany <laughs> which is like star trek because because um Five there are germans go. on star trek <laughs> Really? Name one. Hold on. Yeah, he's totally Russian. That's <coughs> close, though. Right. Right. Because <laughs> they were only bitter enemies in World War One and Two. Awesome. Look, they're both European. I'm just saying. Russia's in Asia. <laughs> it's, it's true. Wait a minute. Do I really need to go back and shake geography? I know. Russia yeah. is in Asia? Yeah. Most of Asia is like Russia and China. That's like the Ukraine and stuff is Eastern Europe, but then where it borders, it borders Russia, and Russia goes into Asia. Wow! I think I would never. I hope I, w- I would not do well on that <laughs> show. What is it, Mr. Like, Can you just do me one favor, just grader? so we can, so that we don't get the hundred emails? Can you just see what continent Russia? Is? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, no. Then, then I can already I can call myself out on being wrong, and then we can be done with with that. <laughs> Yeah, the, and and <laughs> for that you can email Mr. A at I'm on my iPad dot com. <laughs> dot com Don't email that's that. That's not, not really real. A place. It's not real. Don't do it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to talk a little bit about Star Trek Two today. But before we do, you want to talk about something else? 
Um, yeah, because I'm obsessed right now with something. It's okay. You're married, though, and he's right here. This is inappropriate. <laughs> That's not what I was going to say. Goodness gracious. I love I'm, him. Don't get me wrong. I'm a, little, but... I'm a little tired of it, really. If I had a dime <laughs> for every time that some stranger came on to me, I would have no like, money. a dime. All right, real quick. Yes, real quick. Do it, do it. Russia, officially known as both Russia and the Russian Federation, is a state in northern Eurasia. Ooh. Well, no, what the fuck does that mean? I guess we're Eurasia. both right. <laughs> Eurasia. Eurasia. Where is Eurasia? <laughs> I don't think it's where you think it is. <laughs> it's, a, it's like it's like <laughs> it's a dirty. Is as it anywhere? Fuck. Is it anywhere near my Asia? <laughs> it's like that's like saying that's like saying I want to be part of California, so I'm like I live in Virginia, Virginia. <laughs> like, we're just two completely different places, two different continents. I I rather like Ireland. I'm part of Virgireland. Oh wow, that sounds dirty. Dirty. Virgireland knows oh. Eurasia. <laughs> well, they only let you go to Eurasia if you're really good. Yeah. And then sometimes. Sometimes they... she lets you go to Eurasia. Oh my but... goodness. Wow. <laughs> if you if, if she's drunk and you've taken yeah. her to dinner, but, but not too heavy a dinner. Yeah. Um, <laughs> wow. Uh, this is off to a good start. So what are you obsessed with for really? For really, uh, for really. For realsies. Um, L.A. Noir it just came out. What is L.A. Noir it just came out? Oh, my God. It's such a great game. It's like um, it's it's set in like the 1940s. And it's like essentially the gameplay is like is what? akin to like I, playing a like Law and Order set in the 1940s. I think you talked about this before. I mean, I may have, but, but it wasn't out yet. It. Like I hadn't played and it. And this is on PS3. Uh, it's, I think it's cross-platform. Okay. Which is awesome. I mean, except not Wii because I mean we don't call Wii cross-platform. <laughs> they have their own little games that aren't as graphically good as the other ones. But like, what's great about this game is it's all cool and fun because you play a cop and like you investigate stuff right but the part about it that is amazing sorry sorry stop it the freaking heck that's what you get for some of those earlier comments just saying go ahead um you're asia (laughs) i'm asia too (laughs) weird (laughs) that was so unexpected and ironic Strange, strange man. Keep going on with uh, with whatever L.A. Noir. L.A. Noir. L.A. Noir. But the part that is awesome about it yes. is that you, as a cop, like part of what you do is interrogate witnesses, and the facial recognition software for this game is so stellar. They're mapping. Like, mapping. I guess you're right. Yeah, like yeah, What's it well, recognizing? Like it's no, basically. What's it recognizing? Liar. Tell me. What's it recognizing? You said it recognized. What's it rec- recognize? It's recognizing the facial expressions of the actors. As they're performing. That sounds a lot like facial mapping to me. Somebody smart might say that. Like Mr. A, who's really smart. (laughs) He should be because I don't need. I'm sorry that I forgot to show some Oh. Oh. That was mean. (laughs) That wasn't very nice. No, it was it was just accurate. It I mean, wasn't very it wasn't well, nice hey. or mean. It was just the way it I is. I don't tell you to stop biting your nails. <laughs> <laughs> so, so okay, that's all I got because he doesn't really do very much wrong. I know. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm like, I'm like, I got the nails thing, and then like, he's like got good hair and and kind of the five o'clock shadow thing going on. He's a good looking guy. Yes, really? this is too much. He needs to shave. That takes two weeks to grow that. Yeah the hell 
No, I'm envious. It's like I've gotten to the point now where I have to shave. Like this, this right here, I shaved this morning. Wow. Well, I it's there. It's there, yeah. and it's it's to the point where if I shave on a Monday, I can sometimes get it get away with going to work on a Tuesday having not shaved, wow. but sometimes not, and it sucks. So I envy you in many ways, um, yeah. for this and your awesome bike bike that you get to ride that I never get to ride. Rum rum. I could not see you on a motorcycle. I'm just saying. That's because I'm not on one. No, I'm saying like like <laughs> there are people when you look at a person you can see that they like one day maybe they could ride a motorcycle. You're just not one of those people. <laughs> you know you know who I am. You know how you can see me on motorcycle. You can see me in a movie. Like you can imagine me in a movie going on a motorcycle. It's going. I can't imagine what could possibly go wrong. Giving a wink and a smile and then crashing to my death. Potentially. Yeah. Or the other way I could see on a motorcycle, same scenario or similar scenario, like in a movie or something where you're the geeky one and then like I'm the badass chick and I tell you, you have to get on the back of the motorcycle because we have to get away from the bad guys and I'm all super badass on the front of the motorcycle and you're screaming like a little girl on the back. Or that I, I could see. Or I get on the motorcycle. I could also see myself on the motorcycle where I get on and I'm awesome. But no. you, but hold on. But I'm awesome. But you can tell it's a stunt double. <laughs> <laughs> like where I'm like watch this bitches and I get on and suddenly a guy who's like a hundred pounds heavier than me and like all muscular is like riding around <laughs> he's got like long blonde hair he's like he's like Christy Swanson stunt double when she jumps out of the plane in the Phantom <laughs> <laughs> and if no 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 it's like the stunt double in, in Spaceballs <laughs> when, they, when they jump through the thing and the one is like a fucking bearded dude <laughs> we talked about space balls, right? We talked about about the man I ain't, I ain't found shit, right? We talked about that on the podcast once, didn't we? Uh, I don't know. Did we? But, uh, but I have before. I, I remember watching that as a kid. I never got that joke, and then like I was I don't know, like probably four or five years went by, and I watched that. This is it, they can't hear you. I, it's okay. It's all right. I can hear you. Yeah. Here, you talk, and I'll just translate what you say. Okay, translate. <laughs> this should be interesting. <laughs> you know, blah 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 blah. So no, the I never got how racist that joke was. Not only is it racist, but can you name the actor who said, "Man, I ain't found shit." We ain't found shit is a joke, but I Samuel L. Jackson. Really? What? Really? Yep. I feel the need to watch Spaceballs this instant. Samuel L. Jackson. And and see if that is correct. What? Is he credited? I think so. Look up on IMDb. Is he doing it? Oh sure, I say look up, I look up Asia, and you're like, you're like, I don't want to. And I oh, go. You didn't know that there too. Peter Jackson and Steven Spielberg are doing two of them, and I forget who's doing the third. What? Really? Yeah, they're making a trilogy. A trilogy, okay. Yeah, but like it's Steven, Steven uh, Spielberg, Peter Jackson, and like there one other guy's doing it. Um, so La Noir, you you. So the facial out. mapping is really good because it's you can. You when you interrogate the witnesses, like the actors, like you're, it's like you can, and you can even recognize some of them, like people that you've probably seen. You know what I mean? Yeah, the guy from uh, the, who, who played the teacher, who gets blown up with the dynamite. Really? Yeah, he plays he plays a character. Spoiler alert for Lost. Oh, I think it'll be okay. <laughs> I don't yeah. think anyone thinks that guy's making it. Someone, anyway. someone's, <laughs> someone's like right in the episode. They're like they're about they're go, about to go on the Black Rock. It's gonna be awesome. Oh shit! Trek off. Damn you! Damn Fuck you to hell! Off. <laughs> I apologize. You know what? You feel free when you get to that part in Lost if you haven't seen it yeah. already to to yell angrily about me. If you're mad, can um, you can you just email Mr. A at <laughs> <laughs> No, 
not a real place. No, uh, it but make but sense. like what's so great about it is that you so when you're interrogating them, you can um you can like decide that they're telling the truth based on the way that they're like behaving, like huh. and or, or like you can say that they're lying and like confront them with evidence, or you can just kind of doubt them and like not be just because they're being kind of shifty and be like, mm, really? And it's just it's so fucking cool. I love it so I much. I wish I could. I you know I wish I could get into games like that. I mean the fact is I I said before I'd gotten into fear a while back, but it's just so hard for me to like get pulled in i even i even like i kind of got bored with portal one i have about what i, I just got like that i game's got amazing but i got to the point where i like went through the level two or three times and then i got a little frustrated and i was like okay i'm done because i just don't have the time well that's what, like i really think you would like it because it's like a movie it's like a it's like a noir movie like from back in the day like and the music's really great and what's cool about it is when you're actually investigating a crime scene they you know they have like the kind of cool undercurrent music but they have like a kind of a chimey noise that's really subtle do you think they have so, like a trial version that you could try likely um, on xbox on xbox you probably can 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 download a, a demo like most of their games you can i will i will look for that I would look for that game because that sounds fun. It's it's really neat. Like and and you feel like such a badass when you actually like interrogate people and like you ask the right I questions. I feel and like you get... a badass all the time. Yeah. No, he's been. A, you know, Samuel L. Jackson is the um, most successful a- actor um, in Hollywood. Really? It's kind based of, on what? Like, how does that? Or by or by box office numbers. Really? His, his movies. Yeah, but you have to keep in mind he was in Jurassic Park and Star Wars and Iron Man. And, you know, when when you're in three Star Wars movies and you're in Jurassic Park and you're in Iron Man and, you know, that it it and you're in Die Hard. Yeah. You know, it's it it rank, it rakes up the money, even if you're not really the reason people are there to see it. Like nobody went to go see. He's not. I don't think it's him. Uh, Google it. See, see, see Samuel Jackson Spaceballs. If I'm wrong, then. Then you can email Mr. A at I'm on. <laughs> then you can be satisfied in knowing that once again Justin was wrong. Uh, it happens from time Frequently, to time. Like kind of I, all the time. Look, almost. I got look, I got a lot of I got a lot of shit going around in my brain, and some of it's not true, but sometimes <laughs> every once in a while, sometimes I'm. I have right. a lot of stuff going on in my brain, and it's usually right though. That's the thing. Yeah. I you know why I know so much because I don't filter out things based on whether or not it's true. <laughs> That's a valid I, point. I accept all information. <laughs> all information is welcome in the, uh, in the brain of Justin. Watch this. Ready? <laughs> T- tell me, tell me, please, that 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 Abraham Lincoln was was um was madly in love with with Gwyneth Paltrow. Go tell me that. Okay. Who again? Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln, but yes. he wasn't. He wasn't madly in love with Gwyneth no, just Paltrow. Just tell me that he was madly in love with Tia Carrere. By the way, did you know that Abraham Lincoln was madly in love with Tia Carrere? <laughs> he was like, I loved you in Wayne's World and in True Lies and in Wayne's World 2. And that show that was briefly in syndication where you were like Tomb Raider and in nothing else. Because you haven't been in anything else. Did you know she was in a video game, actually? Was she? Who was she? Um, oh, it was a game on like a... It was on the... Th- the 3DO, which like it, I'm probably one of the only people that ever had. One. It was called Help Me, I'm Tia Carrere. No, it was actually a really cool game. What like was it, it was like a sci-fi game. Really? And she was like, um, like a like I don't know if she was the captain of like a salvage ship, but you were definitely like on a ship and you like huh. explore a planet and stuff. And it was what was interesting about the 3DO is they had some of those games that were like, kind of, uh, like where they had actually filmed actors and then like placed them in not real places you know like really okay. rudimentary green screeny kind of thing but like a video game 
That's cool. Yeah, it was really it was cool actually. I liked it a lot. I dug Tia Carrera. There was a time I, when liked I dug her Tia Carrera. I I liked her in I, what? I loved her in True Lies too. Actually, yeah, I thought she was. I thought she was great in that. I thought like it was a solid film with actors who aren't always so solid. Um, like who? Who's not always so solid from that? Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger is not always so solid. Tia Carrera is not always so he's solid. Always Arnold Schwarzenegger. No, hold, wait, yeah, I'm just not saying. always solid. Hold on, I'm not done. Uh, Tom Arnold is not always so solid, and Jamie Lee Curtis is hit and miss. Um, Jamie Lee Curtis, really? So, so I always feel like she's the only good. actor in the movie who is solid all the time is like Charlton Heston, and occasionally you could say Eliza Dushku, but other than that, yeah, I know. So, but like she can be solid. The others are, you know. Jamie Lee Curtis is good in Halloween, and she's actually really good in Halloween H2O. I got to give it to her yeah. that, that, like, I w- I've been listening to a podcast, uh, um, the retrospective on the Hall- on the Halloween series, and they uh, they talk about Halloween H2O about how you know what it is a it is a nice solid post scream Halloween movie. They do a really good job with it, and they keep it smart, but like you can kind of ignore the rest of them, which is fun. <laughs> so, that's I like podcast. Jamie Lee Curtis. Though you know, I should. You, you know, I'm we just have, saying we have so many podcasts. You know, given that I make horror movies, we should have a horror movie podcast. Seems like you oughta. Like it seems like we should have a movie podcast. Is what we should have. Well, yeah. But you know, the problem is that we have. Yeah. But we have like the suck cast as infrequently as it comes out now, which is you know it's going to be hard for them because Dan has moved to Pennsylvania. Oh, God, uh, really? But I think they're going to keep doing it. I mean, I think the plan is to keep doing it. So, um, hey, and listen, if you're listening to this, the Suckcast is fun, and it'll take you a long time to catch up if you're just finding us now because they have like 100-something episodes. So just go back, go to nlightentertainment.com, click on the Suckcast thing, or just go to thesuckcast.com. You'll see hundreds and hundreds of movies and comedy, and it's awesome. So listen to that. Um, but we should do a, a, like a straight-up movie review one, too. Oh, right yeah. There. So... I like to talk about movies. <laughs> movies. Let's talk about a movie then. Let's talk about how uh, I saw pirates. <laughs> Sorry, like, it's not like by the time this comes out, pirates is going to be like six weeks old. Oh, that's right. Um, okay, but then so everybody who then everyone then there's no spoiler alerts. No spoiler alert <laughs> because you probably haven't seen spoiler it. Spoiler alert! It was boring. Spoiler um, alert! It was not the best movie ever. <laughs> um, you know what is the best movie? Best Star Trek movie in many people's opinion. Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan. Really? They're, like that's like a it is firmly kind of held belief that that's the best one. I mean, it's fucking good. Don't get me wrong. But. So it's it's generally one of three. People say Star Trek II, Star Trek IV, and Star Trek: First Contact are the three that people very popularly name. Um, I think the Star Trek: First Contact is is not as rewatchable. Um, and I think that Star Trek II is uh, I, I, I might be the best one. I think it's really. I think okay. So what would be better? I mean, one is. All right, let's let's rule it out. One is not better. No. Three is good, mm-hmm. but not better. Four is good. Five is definitely not better. Six is, I think, in the running. I think the reason I would go with with four potentially over two is because they're they're all intact. Like I mean, I you know me. I like I like my happy endings. So. Yeah, although I like, I feel like the ending of of Star Trek Two, while sad and maybe a bit cliffhangery, is is hopeful. I mean, it does end with Kirk going like, "I feel young," you know, and that's it's nice. It, there are there is cost and there is serious consequence. Yeah, but I don't like that. You you like things that are inconsequential. No. You don't. I, you don't like when there's consequence. I don't. Yes, I don't like when bad things happen. Let me be, let me be clear. <laughs> you don't like when there's consequence, but you don't like when it's inconsequential. Right, it's somewhere in between. 
Inconsequential means without consequence. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it means. Listen, we're not talking about what things mean. We're you talking like about what things right. mean. I would like to submit that. <laughs> that you're not allowed to submit things, motherfucker. I said you would like to submit. <laughs> well, you cannot submit in my stead either. I can't? <laughs> no, I can't. no, you cannot. I cannot submit for you by proxy? <laughs> no, <laughs> you do not have this right, sir. So, Star Trek 2, coming on the heels of Star Trek 1, the motion. What are you doing? Wait, the, Mr. A, what are you What are you doing? <laughs> He's, oh, are you trying to watch the scene? Did you find the scene? What scene? I told you it wasn't Samuel L. Jackson. Joker. Really? Let me see. Hold on. That is not Samuel L. Jackson. That could be a young That is not, this is not even close. No. I have, let it, I have put out in, incorrect information. I'm sorry. It's not Samuel L. Jackson. See, this is why I always have trouble. Like, because I don't trust my own intuition because you say things so authoritatively. I but do. But like wrong. Not. You know what? <laughs> and like, I go, let well, I guess he something. must just know more than me. Let me, let me tell you something <laughs> Un- unequivocally. I am right most of the time. <laughs> that is not true. You see how I said that so authoritatively? <laughs> <laughs> you did. And it is absolutely incorrect. It's almost as if I believe it. I think the first movie that Samuel L. Jackson was in was Eddie Re- Murphy Raw. Really? Was he in Raw? Yeah. He was in did the opening sequence. I didn't yeah. even realize that. Yes. Um, Shut up. Star Trek 2. <laughs> Star Trek 2. <laughs> Something he didn't realize. Stop the world from spinning. Coming off the heels of, of Star Trek The Motion Picture, which was patterned somewhat after 2001, it, while it was successful and was financially very successful, they knew that the critical reception was bad, and they knew that there was a quick drop-off and people weren't that interested in seeing more movies like Star Trek 1. Um, uh, completely removing Gene Roddenberry from the equation and bringing him on as executive consultant. Um, where he made suggestions and then they ignored it. They brought in uh, new to Trek uh, director Nicholas Meyer, who came in to direct um, and immediately did the first thing that Gene would not like, which was make it a military ship where people referred to each other by rank, where they had very militaristic looking costumes, where the ship looked like the inside of a submarine. He wanted to make a submarine movie, which is what he did. He said he wanted to make a movie, his own little the Hunt for Red October had not come out yet, but like that, where you had two submarines eventually who are facing off in the sea or in this case in space um, with two captains using guile and the technology at their hands to try and destroy one another. And so it's a very militaristic uh, situation. Um Largely ignoring the events, Star Trek the motion picture is supposed to take place evidently like at the end of the five year mission. Mm-hmm. So supposedly the people they're like even though they've all aged twelve years, it's not like clearly they're all older. This yeah. one this one takes into account real time and they are now the age that they are supposed to be. Um uh the ship has been refitted on the inside, it is more militaristic. Um and it was well known, spoiler alert for Star Trek two, that it's well known that, that Spock dies at the end of the film. And Which is my issue. And Starlog magazine had put out that information beforehand they got there was no internet so they got a hold of it ahead of time and put out spock is going to die so they very cleverly wrote the kobayashi maru at the beginning of star trek 2 in which spock dies and it was it's meant to be a trick to the audience who heard who heard there was a scene where spock died there's a scene where spock died so what they do they put it at the very beginning of the film where there's a scene where spock dies and then he gets up and that was supposed to make you the audience who was realize oh no it was a jo- oh, like was like a those joke. like those previews that you see for a show yeah. that you always want to watch and like something scandalous happens and you're like oh i can't believe that just happened but then like there's some like out of context it's not accurate it's not true yeah 
Yeah. So so yeah. So they turn it around on you, and they're like, they're like, oh, that thing that you heard about Spock dying. See, that was, was the, this. It was this. It was so this. he doesn't actually die, but it's not true because he does. Um. So <laughs> uh, let's let's back up. Um. Here's here's the thing I think is it, that makes that particular film, uh, one that I think people name. Uh-huh. Like I mean, I don't want to speak for the people that name it as their favorite, but sure. it occurs to me they're gonna um, get mad at you. They are, they're gonna please don't be mad. You can email um, her at Mister A <laughs> at I'm looking at iPadPorn.com. <laughs> um, it occurs to me though that like what like something that I found particularly cool was the fact that it absolutely relates back to an episode. Okay, you know what I mean, like finding Khan. Okay, yeah, well, like, let's let's do and, that. And let's the go fact back. that it's that that is, you know what I mean. We've met him before. We know who Khan is. Well, this is the interesting thing, thing about the film is the film absolutely requires zero information from the episode Space Seed from season one of of. of Agree, Star you don't need it, well, but that, if, if you have it, it's nice. Yeah, well, that's I you mean, know? and that's uh, we actually talked a little bit when we made Ninjas versus Vampires available at Ninjas versus Vampires dot com um, <laughs> uh, about that about Star Trek Two, where we said Star Trek Two is a sequel to Space Seed where Space Seed can exist on its own and Star Trek 2 can exist on its own and you do not need to watch them in succession. You do not need to know anything from Space Seed. You need to know nothing. They give you all the information in Star Trek 2. However, it is, although can be being a complete standalone, it is also absolutely a sequel. Yep. And like, when you, like, like Firefly. Like I saw the movie Serenity before I saw the series Firefly. And I, and I didn't... I, I did not feel like I didn't have information. Like, I didn't feel lost at any point. I, I think, didn't feel rushed. I will say this. I think that Serenity is a better movie than Star Trek 2. However, I think that Star Trek 2 is more successful in needing no information. Because I feel like Star Trek 2... And maybe that's because the characters had become so archetypal. I think that maybe that's because people didn't know who the characters were when they were watching Serenity a lot of the time. But by the time Star Trek 2 came out, everybody knew who Kirk was. Everybody yeah. knew who Spock was there. You did not need to introduce those characters and say, here is Kirk and here's what he does. And here's what. So yeah. you're you're you reap the benefits of the social consciousness. Yeah, I'd say that's true. But but I still like I guess I don't I don't think that Serenity really suffered from that. I don't think I had no clue who those characters were when I watched that film. And I think that when I went back and watched the series, it just made when I watched the movie again with having the series that much better. You it, know what I it's mean? It's hard for me to speak to that because I, I did know that. And so it's like, I, yeah, I have so such, I didn't. And so I, I wish, you know, I have this thing where I, I, I have one son. I'm about to have another son. Um, and I have showed my son um, Star Wars episode four, five and six. And I showed it to him in that order. And then I'll show him what episode one, two and three. I kind of want to show my other son Star Wars episodes one, two and three first. And then four, five and six hmm. to go. What was your impression? Like, did you hate, like, a lot of people didn't like Star Wars Episodes 1 and 2, but if you were seeing Star Wars Episode 1 for the first time, and it's a bunch of droids and aliens and, and you're light, not comparing it and to lightsabers and, and space battles and stuff like you've never seen before, do you, like, is it awesome Yeah, would you? you have the same and emotional you, response? And will you get to Star Trek 4, or Star Trek, or to Star Wars, the original, and go, this is so small. This is just about a bunch of people on a ship who go on a space station. Like, why is this not as epic as what I've seen before? Like, like, I I just wonder. Yeah, I wonder. Yeah, that's that's. It's an experiment. <laughs> it's an experiment that I've thought of doing. The problem is, the problem boils down to Star Wars Episode Three, which is the best of the new trilogy, but it's, but it has some very very violent content, and yeah. I can't show it to my son. 
So I'm not going to bother showing him the original trilogy because I can't show him the end of it uh, for another couple of years. Right. So. Um, it just means with the with your next one, you just you would have to start later once he can watch. Damn it! Because um, I think it's a valid a valid experiment. I'm I'm curious to see, it and I'm not likely to have children, so I'm curious to see the outcome. <laughs> my friend, my friend Arthur suggested at one point that that the Star Wars movies should be viewed in this order: four, five, one, four, five, one, two, three, six. Why? That uh, that Star Wars. You, you watch the original Star Wars. And then you watch The Empire Strikes Back. Um, and then you have the Luke, I am your father, and you don't know. It's not confirmed for you. Then you go back and you meet Anakin Skywalker. And the question is, is, is he going to be Darth Vader? Mm. Is he going to be Darth Vader? And so then you have three more movies to watch the Anakin Skywalker that you've just learned about. And then you, you watch that. And then you get to the end of episode three, and you've seen Anakin Skywalker fall to the dark side. And then Return of the Jedi has a lot of Luke doing the same stuff that Anakin was doing so that the most important moment in the entire Star Wars saga becomes the moment when Luke is facing against uh, the Emperor and he tosses away his lightsaber and goes, I'm a, I'm a Jedi like my father before me. And he gives up on the path of the dark side. And so you lead up, everything leads up to the moment where Luke is about to make the same mistake Anakin made and, doesn't and do then it. finally tosses it away and it, it would build that tension. That's actually interesting. <clears throat> yeah, it's an interesting, like to have the parallels work. Yeah. So it's, I don't know, it's, it's people have their own opinions. Um, Star Trek 2. <laughs> we uh we we so th- we're, so uh, the point was that it's like a sequel like you don't need it's a sequel but it's a standalone but so it's let, standalone so let's talk about the episode space seed um from season one of star trek the uh the original series um same actors same people involved yep. um and you have uh uh ricardo Montalban comes on as Khan. he's the and he's uh, just engaging as fuck I'm he is saying. he he <laughs> is from the eugenic eugenics wars which almost destroyed humanity back in the 19th 1990s right oh speaking of which though it's yes. cool. like uh, you remember how you no remember how you spoiled for me about uh bashir yeah i like just got to that part oh did you where he is getting investigated by um the doctor the doctor, doctor yes yeah. now so is that at that point then voyager was on correct yes so this was sort of across the ovary situation absolutely as a okay. matter of fact doc zimmerman appears on voyager eventually oh okay yeah so Cool. Well, because I mean, I noticed I was because like he showed up and I was like, okay, this must be one that was going on because he's the emergency yeah. holographic. Oh, and he had, they actually pull up the image too. You know, he yeah. he does, he does, and he pulls them up. I'm like, okay, so this is when it was already happening. They'd already come up with this, and so yes. now they're coming up with the LMH, and so he's investigating Bashir to be the template for it, and yeah. it's a huge honor. And then see, like, but see, you had built it up. I don't know what it was about the way that you said it, but you made me feel like he was gonna be some like super badass all that like and oh, dumps himself down no 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 but like uh, something about the, the way you end said of that it episode seems when he throws the darts like, no i know but something about the way you said it made it seem sort of sinister like sort of no like, an arrogance. No, no, no 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 i don't no. know why but like and that just wasn't the case it wasn't the way it was like his parents did it to help him well and i mean it's but i think the thing is is that he plays such a fop you know, for lack of a better term, for a lot of he's a silly, stupid British man sometimes. And then you find out that all that silliness has been an act. 
but he isn't that's what i'm saying like this like i would disagree with you because he's silly but in social ways and that's got nothing to do with intelligence no but the thing is you know what i mean like he's, he's somewhat socially awkward will, which you actually will notice, you will feeds notice into a, smartness. you will notice a difference in him he ceases to be that now really oh yeah i mean he doesn't seem to be he still seems oh to no, be no, that no 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 there's there's he goes he takes a darker path now I guess we'll. See, I mean, I'll just have to keep and watching to see what cool you mean path. because he just he just did. Uh, you know, I just saw an episode where he's you know laughing and joking with the Klingon. Sure. And, yeah. You know, being Bashir like. You know. Yeah, but I mean, it's as they start using that. It's you as know. they start using it more. Okay, because yeah, I've only pretty much at this point all I've seen is the dart throwing. As he know. starts, as he starts calculating the odds against the Dominion, it starts going way dark for him. Oh, okay. It's cool. That'll it's, be interesting to see. So maybe I just haven't gotten there yet, but it, like it was, it was cool because. They, they mentioned the eugenics they they talk about yeah the war and why that shit is bad like the reason it's illegal and the reason that his dad is because has of to Khan. go it's because of Khan. has to go to jail there are a couple know? there are a couple of books that's really that are really interesting they're called the eugenics wars i haven't read them although i have them somewhere um but the idea is actually retraces the history of the 90s as we know it and tells the secret history of the 90s that we did not know was going on behind Ooh. the scenes and how humanity was almost destroyed a number of times by Khan in the background. Ooh, and we did. And it, so it retraces the, the, our history. Yeah. And says the, eugenics so it's wars, like historical fiction. Yeah. The eugenics wars were happening. We just never knew about it. Oh, that's it cool as shit. Us. Yeah. And so it rectifies the problem. And I've heard they're really good. Um, I totally want to read this now. <laughs> um, so I, uh, so yeah, he he comes onto the Enterprise, um, tries to take over the Enterprise. He's got his merry band of of um, well, they had been stranded, yes. Yeah, the genetically engineered misfits. One of the historians on the Enterprise who's obsessed with him joins him. Is a traitor. He faces off against Kirk. Ultimately, uh, loses to Kirk and crew, and is uh, is once again left abandoned. Yeah, is is abandoned on a planet that should be completely okay, and it was supposed to be SETI Alpha Five. Um, or SETI Alpha Six, or whichever it is. Yeah. Um, when we meet him on on in Star Trek Two, uh, there has a planet has exploded, which has destroyed the the ecosystem. The ecosystem, yep. and he is stuck on this world that that is now we, largely lifeless. We assume we assume that the wife he's talking about is the person who was on the ship before, because she's not on it anymore. Yep. Um, he is c- very upset when he meets Chekhov, even though Chekhov didn't join Star Trek till season two. Um. Oops. Um, uh, and he recognizes him. You can say Chekhov was somewhere in the background or something. Chekhov was there. Just a um, bit. We just <laughs> didn't see him. Um, uh, just interesting of all the crew members they'd use, though. You know, that they would go, we're going to have Chekhov be the one to meet him. The one guy who wasn't there when they made that episode. <laughs> you have six other actors to choose from. You ch- but at least Chekhov gets something to do, which for the rest of the Star Trek movies, he doesn't get much else to do except be captured. In fact, he's always captured. Even here, he's captured. Yeah. Um, I. So you have you have um, Khan meets meets Chekhov, uh, takes over the Reliant from the captain. A wonderful scene where he forces bugs in their ears. Oh God, to, that's so seriously. I know we're just you know talking about how it looks so. It does look a little now, bit fake, but but like at the time, it was horrifying because I hate bugs, and like just and I and I hate the idea of not being in control. So like it's like these two things that are like. Almost, I think, universally frightening, you know, like, and they combined them and it was like, oh, I want to talk about we were talking about the problems with pirates. And I want to talk about what this movie has that makes it successful, in my opinion, which is the words I use when I was talking about pirates and the things that movies need is emotional underpinnings. 
Um, because in this case, this is a movie that immediately hits you with the themes of youth and death. Um, and the first thing you have is you have the Kobayashi Maru where, where uh, Kirk is watching a bunch of new cadets on the Enterprise, training them. He's feeling his age. He has to wear glasses. Mm-hmm. He's having his birthday. He's feeling old. He talks about he, he feels like he shouldn't be running around in space anymore because he's too old to be doing it. Um, Kirk, who has been the ladies' man forever, has, you know, has had so much tail all over the galaxy without any consequence suddenly there's a consequence a grown son um that he like appears yeah <laughs> that that evidently one of these women that kirk bedded um <laughs> had a son and we meet kara marcus and and david um a, a fundamental alteration in the character of, of kirk for the rest of the series oh yeah it changes him he goes from being the gallivanting kirk to being a different guy. It's just a different, more responsible. Well, more, I think that more that would cha- change anyone. Like I think it, it, you'd be hard pressed for not and to the, make a and huge the, difference in your life. And, and without spoiling Star Trek three, the events of Star Trek three also alter him regarding his relationship with the son. Absolutely. Um, um, but the fact that you have Kirk, the the ageless Kirk is now old, and the the adventurous Kirk now feels too old to do it, and the gallivanting, you know. Man whore Kirk now <laughs> has has the the consequences of being that way in a son. And meanwhile, youthful cadets are all coming aboard the Enterprise. And the one thing he's never had to deal with was death. He never had to face death. He always cheated death. And they say that like, yeah, over in the film. It's, it's thematically the, a the, thing. The, the Kobayashi <laughs> Maru, he never had to face death. He feels old. And then his past comes back to bite him in the ass. Yep. Um, his son and his uh, erstwhile ex-lover have been creating a device called Genesis. Interestingly, a device that causes both youth and death. Um, and it's a device that destroys all that is old and replaces with all that is new. In this case, a planet where it can wipe out all life on a planet and then replace it with brand new life. Um, Khan realizes its, its opportunity is a weapon. Um, brings the reliance. Well, I don't think it's like I don't think it's meant to wipe out the life, though. It's not meant to. That's, that's not like, that's that, not its purpose. But that's, its purpose is to create the life. But in creating the life, if there were life present, it, yeah, like, I feel I feel like you worded that wrong. Anyways, I'm sorry. Well, rather like, from ra- I'm wording it from Khan's point of view. Okay, from Khan's point of view. But it's but it is you it could is, use it as a weapon, but it's not because that that's why they're like looking at that particular planet because they're ascertaining sure. they're making certain that there isn't any life but 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 also but, but also in star trek 2 and star trek 3 the whole point of the bad guys what the bad guys want along with wanting to get kirk is the secret of the secret of the genesis device right which can wipe out a civilization if you needed to yeah um and uh you have khan who has lost his wife who has gone relatively mad well, yeah, I mean, he's been um, living on, you know, a barely habitable planet at this point. But he's time. gone much more mad than his followers. It was followers who eventually are kind of like, by the end of the movie, are like, dude, I th- Yeah, because I think they're just kind of done. Like, they've been through their hardships, and instead of it, yeah. like, warping their shit, like, they are like, you know what? Can it just be over? Can well, we just... Again, I was listening to the same podcast that was doing the Halloween retrospective. I also listened to their Star Trek Two retrospective, and I'm oh. st- stealing a little from them. They're the Now Playing podcast. They're great. Listen to them when you've listened to everything on the Enlight Podcast Network. <laughs> Enlightpodcast.com. 
um, or listen or look up EPN on iTunes. There are lots of them. Um, uh, so sorry, got a plug from time to time. Um, uh, so so one of the things they mentioned, they said it's really interesting that uh, that there is no 22nd century literature ever. Like they're in the 23rd century. You never see 21st or 22nd century literature. There's either what's new now or everything is 20th century and back. So, like, he's surrounded with books, including um, Moby Dick. Um, and, like, no books that we're unfamiliar with, just books that we know, too, as an audience, which I understand why they do, but it's kind of funny. Um, I guess so. But it's funny. He never gets... To, evidently, he never read to the end. That's what they said on the podcast. Never, Evidently, he never read to the end of Moby Dick because Moby... Uh, Captain Ahab doesn't get his way Yeah, no. He dies. <laughs> he dies. does not go well for Mr. Ahab. Um, <laughs> so, so he goes after Kirk, and he wants to get his revenge... Um, and you ultimately end up with uh, with the battle, which is what makes the movie so good, um, or at least I don't know that I think the battle is what makes the movie. It's so one good. of the all right, the emotional underpinnings they give Kirk. First of all, Star Trek One. The problem was was as neat as it was, there was no emotion in the film. It, yeah, it was like there was a lot. Yeah, there was a lot of discovery and, and interesting, cool heartless. things. But yeah, there wasn't anything that you cared about that and in this and, feel. In, and in this movie you have scotty has you know in certain cuts of the film scotty has a nephew that's there and he's the one that he carries scotty carries up to the bridge like he's dead you know which again he does such a great job acting there but in what i listened to they said well, so he picked him up got in the turbo lift carrying him waiting for the turbo lift to get to the bridge to walk on and go like it makes more sense when you find out it was his nephew but if like in the cut in the theatrical cut it's just some random crewman that he decided to pick up the corpse and take it to the bridge bridge. to show them that he's dead aren't you supposed to be in engineering (laughs) go back (laughs) we're in the middle of a battle what are you doing scotty seriously i know you dug that dude but come on um but that's i mean you have you you have that, um, you know, I mean, just so many things are going on for these characters that had no, I mean, we talked about inconsequential, no consequences. The thing about the Star Trek, the show, there were never consequences. Every show, every episode rebooted at the end so that by the next episode, you could just watch. You could watch the episodes in any order you wanted and there was no change. Yeah, it does speak to TV in the 60s. Um, but But now, suddenly, for the first time, the very first time ever in the history of Star Trek, you have change coming to these people. Yeah. And not just change in there, because there's some change in motion picture, but nobody really seems to care about it. And this change. And yeah, there's like a lot of heavy emotion. Humor, going on humor and despair. And that wonderfully hilarious scene where Kirk is like a librarian, where, where he's like, the information's coming over now, Con. <laughs> One minute, Con. Okay, here we go. Just one more minute. You know, it's it's like like the guile and the ridiculousness and the and the the humor that they're playing there and the you know it's just they they're hitting all the notes and they're hitting them in all the right way. But the battle is what's really neat because we've never we've never seen the well, it's taut as fuck. Well, we've never you know? seen the weight of these ships. These ships move slow and they move in space. So one is above another. These are not these ships are not Star Wars racing in and out ship. These are these aren't ships they're vessels <laughs> and you get the sense of the weight that they are moving slowly out there and they're crisscrossing each other's paths and these are two big ass motherfuckers with uh, with huge arsenals yep. ready to fight each other and it's just the guile of the captain versus the guile of the captain 
that's going to win and eventually of course kirk wins sort of by kirk definitely Khan definitely loses Mm -hmm. but i don't think it's safe to say that kirk wins because we get to the end of the movie and um and as was contracted by leonard nimoy who said he did not want to do any movies after star trek 2 um spock had to die is that why it is why um and however did they get him to come back for three then i'll tell you i'll tell you because i know i i did a little research on it um uh spock uh spock goes in to essentially make the engines work again he has to go up against some radiation stuff well so why did he want out though like what was because he had done it he was done he was done yeah man he he didn't want to be spock for his he wrote a book called i am not spock <laughs> like he he didn't want to be like kirk was out there still doing other stuff spock could only like get jobs on nova you know like he could only get science and science fiction related jobs kirk like he had a, a series he had a tj yeah. hooker yeah. he was huge already he was like he he didn't need star trek um spock that's all that nimoy got to do and he wanted to direct more he's doing photography he was doing some guest acting stuff but you know and he yeah he did have mission impossible and stuff but there was like he just was done being Spock. And he wasn't going to come back for Star Trek 2. And they said, we'll give you a death scene. And he said, okay, I'll do it. And so that was needed to bring him on to do the film. So it gets to this, the death scene. Wonderfully done. Um, God, they God, wanted... So uh, Shatner, Shatner wanted glass you couldn't see through. I'm so glad they did. Because when they're like leaning their heads against the glass together. The I have and I've always been your friend. Um, the... The the acting by DeForest Kelly and uh, by Jimmy Dewan when Kirk comes up and, you know, he's like, he's like, let me in there. They're holding him back. And the line originally was, I think, uh, DeForest Kelly going, he's dead, Jim. And and saying, I don't want to say that line. Everyone's going to laugh. Yeah. And so changing it to he's dead already by by Jimmy Dewan. Um, and then he dies. And you right before that happens, something happens. Um, it turned out that everybody had a terrible, terrible time on Star Trek The Motion Picture. Getting in the back was tough because people did not enjoy making that film. It was not fun. They didn't feel like the same. They didn't All of them? Most like, of them. They didn't like the movie. The movie was bad. Mm-hmm. They just didn't, like every aspect of it was something they didn't dig. Even though Robert Wise did a great job. Awesome director. Directed West Side Story. Just he, wow. that's why the motion picture to this date, with the exception of the new J.J. Abrams one, feels the most like a movie yeah. because he was a film director. But it was too slow. Um, none of them, none of them had a really good time, and getting the back was difficult. And so, Nimoy was like, "I'm done." And then on this one, Nick Meyer got it, and everyone had a great time. Even Nimoy, especially Nimoy. So they got to the end, and Nimoy was like, "I don't know if I'm done. Can hmm. we let's let's shoot some inserts." And so I'm not sure if Nick Meyer was involved, but I know it wasn't in the script. They go back and they shoot this cutaway of Spock going back, putting his hand on DeForest Kelly's face and going, remember. It was done after the fact, after the movie had already Oh, so that's because that doesn't happen. It happens chronologically in in the film before. But but they shot way after where he was like, let's put this in. Just a way to get back. And then they said, and let's shoot the end of the film. Of course, that, let's talk about the funeral scene, which is brilliant. Mm. Jimmy Dewan actually was the one who, Scotty was the one who suggested, let's do the bagpipes, do an amazing grace, which was awesome. Oh my gosh, um, yeah. Of all the people I've known in my Don't. travels. Don't do it. His was the most human. Um, 
great job. I mean, I don't care who you are. You you are emotionally moved when he says that. Shit. I am. I am to this day. I've seen a hundred times, and yes, I am. Absolutely Every am. single time I cry. Um, Every single um, time. Uh, and so they they send his coffin out, and it lands on the newly forming Genesis planet. And then they have the Star Trek space, the final frontier, spoken by Nimoy. And and it makes you feel like he's gone. And no, like, no, it doesn't. It no. does to me. That's what it made Not me. Not at think. all. No, because the last thing they show is his coffin on the Genesis planet, where they they're going over the Genesis planet, all this, and then the last thing that he goes, where no man is gone, and then they reveal the coffin. It's a reveal on the Genesis planet before. So you've had the remember, and now you've had this last shot of the coffin on the Genesis planet, and we're all you know Star Trek. You know, Star Trek fans, we're, we're geeks and we, we can speculate. We're all writers in our head. And sure enough, the people started <laughs> speculating, how can this happen? How can this happen? And they really did leave it open for a sequel. Um, but one of the last things that Kirk says as the movie is ending is he says, I feel young. And he felt so old at the beginning of the film and he, he had faced death. Yeah. And they said, you know. One of the things that Spock says in the middle of the in the beginning of the film is they go how how you face death is at least as important as how you face life, and they get to the end of the film and Kirk has faced it and he's come through it and he's mourning and he feels like it's emptier but he's grown and he's changed for the first time in the history of the character yeah um and he's a different guy than he was and he will be this different guy for the rest of the series um gives a spectacular performance and uh, they all do I mean that's just it's. Um, so emotional the whole thing and i here's the thing i was a kid you know what i mean so i wasn't i felt like i was i felt like the reason that he was saying it that that nimoy was saying it was because there was no more nimoy like i just spilled on myself that's what you get i'm not certain why go on go on keep going um so i (laughs) i think that for me was like i because i couldn't believe they did it yeah i like i just couldn't Oh, and, there was there was hate mail. I oh. was so upset. Like People I was upset for mad. for days. Yeah, you know, like and I think that yeah, the the reveal of the coffin made me go. They have to. That has to be for a reason, and they need to fix yeah. it. Yeah, I don't give a fuck how they fix it. Yeah, but they need to fix it. And this. they fixed it well, in my opinion. I think absolutely. They do a great job the I think one. they did an amazing job. Of which fixing is it. which is another podcast for another day. But uh, what? Yeah, it's, well, it's they tried so hard to do the same thing with data and blew it in Nemesis. Yeah. Um, I. So I mean, ultimately, you get a film that saved the franchise. I mean, the choices in that film, the the militaristic uniforms stay, the nautical feel of the. It's a nautical feel. It feels like a navy ship that stays for the rest of this series until next gen, when it becomes more of a family cruise liner almost. <laughs> um. But the the nautical feel stays the um, the new interpretation. I don't know. I feel like that th- th- there's always been a um, a parallel there, like that that's where it comes from. You know, you I, know it like, comes from it somewhat. But this was overt. I mean, they're all wearing what looks like officers' jackets, and the ship looks and feels and is just feels more. It feels more st- staunch. You know, you you don't see these guys playing. You know, at least in Star Trek Two, these guys aren't going to to the restaurant on the ship to play three level chess and Ohura is not going to be singing. Yeah. You know, you know, while, while Spock plays a harp, that's not going to happen now. Yeah. This is a, this is a different thing now. Well, cause we're also, I mean, in the sense of this, we're watching the movies 
so it's not like the show where it's like a, a slice of life, a moment. Uh, this yeah, but but even then, I I don't even feel like that scene could even be appropriate in this new Star Trek. I feel like that this is this is now. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, because now th- when they're doing the movies, like I don't think. Well, they tried even... to reboot it a different way. They seemed like they were all, you know, science philosoph- science philosophers in the next gen- in in rather the motion picture. Like they were all they're very serious minded and very you know. Mm-hmm. And this one, they're they're you know what they're old soldiers. And and I dig I dig I dig the fact that they do that, and I feel like it works very well. Um, I don't know if I felt like they were old. So I felt like they were old explorers. Which I is did, not you know, the I same did. To me. I did not get the sense that these guys explored anything. I didn't get the sense that these were guys who went to go explore new worlds and meet the Gorn. And you know, the the it is different from the characters on the show in that I feel like they are on a military vessel. I don't feel any sense of. We're out to meet the new civilization on Regulus too. I just didn't. I didn't get that. Sense no, the in this fe- movie. the feel I got wasn't necessarily like I felt like. I mean, I know that's where they came from, so I have that. You know what I mean? Brewing, but I f- I felt like because of their uh, of their age now, like I felt like they get different missions. You know, and this was yeah. The, well, that this was the babysit mission but, for the science vessel. You but, know what I mean? But, like, but Rod, but Rod and Mary didn't want it this way. Roddenberry wanted to be there still. I mean, Star Trek one was we're exploring. It's brand new life. It's, you know, it's all about the scientific discovery and Star Trek two. It's not that way. Star Trek three. I mean, even in Star Trek two, they say that Starfleet and the Federation get in the way of scientists. They come right out and say it like, like the, Oh yeah. No, they're like, like, you guys are in the, you know, yeah, you're the military. Yeah. You're the, that's what you are now. And that's, I mean, I just, I don't dislike the difference. Roddenberry would have disliked the difference. But in Star Trek 2, 3, and to a lesser extent 4, that's how it feels. In 5, they try to go back to the exploration thing. And when that doesn't work, they go to the most militaristic one, which is 6. Um, <laughs> which which is fine. I think it works. I think it works for the feel of the 80s. I think yeah. it works for I think it works for these characters. I feel like it, it makes it a, a... You know, they made it so serious in the first one, but I didn't take it seriously. This time I took them seriously as characters, as people... Their situation seemed dangerous and precarious, and I think that it's it works so well in design and theme and feel that I'm not surprised they kept it for the entire rest of the original series movies. I feel like it's just a success on every level. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think it is, but I I guess I never felt like they were not military in some way before. They were though they were they were in like, some way before. That's what I'm but, like that that's. But now 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 it becomes the exclusive focus of what they do. Is they, you know, they are they're good military. They're like, you know, they're they're like the we the way we like to think of our military. They're yeah. They're the good guys. They're out there doing the good things. They're not going to do immoral things. They're out there doing, doing good. They have they have good souls. And they have they're educated and they're you know. But you get the sense that it's just it's it's a different feel than the show. Whereas the the I felt like the motion picture feels like the cage, like the original episode of of like the most Roddenberry of the show. <laughs> I feel like this this is a reboot. This is the first reboot, as far as I'm concerned, of the Star Trek franchise, where they take really? it, they take it, and it's just different. It doesn't remind me of Star Trek: The Motion Picture, and it doesn't remind me of the show. It's its own thing. That again, I just cite the fact that they keep the design for most of the rest of the movies, the costumes, the characterizations, the design of the ship, the design of the interior of the ship. For the most part, it changes somewhat, but it stays the same. Um, the way the characters relate, uh, it's just I feel like they they went from one thing to another thing and it just it i mean i just think it succeeds i think it succeeds on every level because it successfully brought this late 60s thing 
very much into the 80s and yet it doesn't feel like an 80s movie outside of some hair and some makeup choices sure it feels and effects i feel Mm -hmm. like if you were to update the effects you could almost sell it as a movie that came out today um yeah it's it's it feels like this other thing and it is i guess it just doesn't it doesn't feel so different to me well it's all it's all star trek but that's what's great about star trek i think that like it feels as different from the original series as next gen i don't think so Oh, I, I, I totally. I mean, I, we're gonna have to agree to dis- disagree them because I feel like I feel like Next Gen reminds me, especially the first two seasons of Next Gen, reminds me of the original series more than the movies do, more than Wrath of Khan. Really? Yeah, totally, totally. I feel like that. Like the the only reason I mean, like I, to some extent, I see what you mean. Like, because I feel just stylistically, like, just stylistically, I'm not speaking like, and I, characters. I'm not like the not size and budget, not size and budget. That's not what I'm talking about either. Like, I feel like it's not necessarily the the characters are the same to me I, th- I feel like it's what they're what they get thrown at them is just is heavier than than the kind of stuff they got thrown but on, i feel like they, one hour you know i feel like they show. start different i feel like kirk's the way kirk is at the beginning he's vulnerable he was never really vulnerable in the show well, especially sure, the not at the beginning like 20, you know years older or something i mean it's like it's a long time he's, like he's 14 years older i'm just like it's it doesn't it occurs to me or it feels to me like natural progression like these are the same characters but they've they're they're in a very different place now than they But they, they all then. have consequence and you then know? they didn't have consequence. I just feel like I feel well, like in this case But I feel like that's to some extent I feel like people in general feel that way as they get older. Like Yeah, okay, that might Do you know be what true. I'm saying? Like because in the in the show they're young and they're exploring and and their their outlook is different. I think there you know? there are times it, there are times like when I watch the show that it seems like a kid's show. There are times that I watch the show and I go, I understand how they readapted this to be an animated program because there are episodes of the show that just don't seem like it's for grownups. Spock's brain doesn't seem like it's for grownups. And there are other things too where, where they're in the Wild West now and now they're the 20s and now they're the, it just doesn't seem, this movie, and motion picture tried to be grown up but the design was so bad, it was so flawed, the costumes were so terrible and the pacing was so slow. Um, they did this and this seemed like, this seems like a grown up movie to me. I watch this movie now and I feel like in every other iteration in the in the 60s ago well that was 60s TV like Mr. A said that that's 60s TV that's the way it was you know and the animated series well that's just old bad animation and Star Trek 1 well it's got the thing but it is slow and the, I feel like there's nothing to apologize for here I feel like this is Star Trek grows up is how I feel about about this and I feel like we don't I I mean again I I'm actually surprised. I'm I'm usually the naysayer, and I feel like I, I feel like I'm, I'm a little surprised that you're. I'm not naysaying that you're that you're disagreeing. Like I, I how, I'm. I guess I'm not seeing it as such a stark difference that like that it's like such a a different feel from what it was. See, I like look it at feels next more gen. to me like a natural progression, which I don't think is a bad thing. Like I, oh, like, I don't feel like it's natural at all. I feel like it's a deliberate. I feel like it is a deliberate retooling. To make it something completely different. Yes, yeah, I definitely don't feel that way. Like, it d- I feel like, like I don't feel like I watched that and was like, and I, "Wow, and this is so different than it was before." And like, I watch and I watch the the next generation and feel like it's Roddenberry's deliberately retooling back to the original series. So suddenly you have a ship with a counselor where everybody is wearing bright colors and the ship is brightly lit again, and everybody is a philosopher and a thinker. And and they are truly explorers meeting God and the intellectual captain. And I feel like he tried as hard as he could, as hard as he could to say it when he started Next Gen, because he was no longer involved in the movies to go. 
now they're not military. Now they are explorers again. And Picard is... But they're the, still military in that. There, There is an essence of, mili- of militarism, but it's, it's a nearly pacifist show for the first few episodes. Yeah, there's some... There's, and Roddenberry, but, but that's what I'm saying. Like, because like, if you look at, if you st- take a step back, like, and you look at all of Star Trek as yeah. a whole, right? Like, depending on what's going on in the climate at the time, is the degree to which they they occur as militaristic, because they're they're not. I'm not saying in a bad way. I, no, I'm saying I, like I prefer they, it. they, they I, aren't when they don't need to be. Like that's how I always felt is what I'm saying. Like I always felt like I knew that they were you know a form of military and it was something you enlisted sure. in and it was you know what I mean. But that it wasn't about being a military force. I think the like, thing that is that's is not this what is it was about, and that like there are circumstances that would arise. I mean, there's hierarchy, there's politics. Like I felt like that stuff's always been there, and that when shit would go down, like it would be hard and it would and things would kind of the, the climate would kind of change because it would have to like with the dominion war you know like when that yeah shit but that's comes, but like, that's different that's I, I think that every star trek that comes po- after this is a post star trek to star trek two star trek i think star trek two raised the bar and altered the game so that star trek could be taken seriously by non-science fiction fans i think up to this point it was difficult for people I think, and, and this is how I feel about Star Trek. I feel like you don't need to like sci-fi. You don't need to like Star Trek to like Star Trek 2. I think Star Trek 2, you just have to accept that it's in space. And other than that, it's an awesome character-based submarine oh, drama. I, I definitely think, think it is a great movie. I, I, would think, say, I think that people that don't like like sci-fi, though, would not just be able to get past that. Oh, there are certainly sci-fi elements, but I think that for someone who didn't like sci-fi, especially back then, now now it seems dated and stuff, but I think back then... It would be the easiest one for me to take someone to and go, look, this is there's a this is the hunt for Red October. It's just in space. And that's I mean, it's it's about people making decisions on giant military vessels. And it just feels feels more nautical. I think militaristic is the wrong word. I don't feel like it's I don't feel like it's warlike, but I think it's nautical. I feel it feels like a Navy show. Suddenly it feels like it feels like a naval movie. Um I don't know, just I don't, like, their, the mission that they have, like, the, the battle sequence, I totally see the parallel. I know, I, I get what you're saying. And the design, you know I mean? though, the design, the design of, the, of, the, of the ship and the uniforms is, is feels, you know, they, they have the brass on the uniforms. They, they, it looks like an officer's jacket, almost like a, a, a Navy officer's jacket now. Whereas before, it was, it was brightly colored jumpsuits. Now, it, it, you know, that's, these are deliberate choices. Somebody out there, when Nicholas Meyer sat down and said, I want the costumes to look like this now. It was a deliberate choice. I want it to look more like this. I want the ship to be darker. I want the ship to have more metallic looking things inside of it. I want there to be more screens. I want there to be, I want it to look like the the center of a submarine. I mean, it was a deliberate choice. And he's trying to bring you in as a non-sci-fi fan. It's, the, it's a movie that starts with the words in the 22nd century. It's the first thing you see as it fades in. It says, it's assuming you know nothing. Mm-hmm. And just going... This is not just for fans of the show. This is now for everybody. I mean, and, I could see that. And I think that it's, I mean, look, it's whether or not, look, I think we're splitting hairs. You love the movie. I love the movie. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know? Duh. Um, I think, you know what? The best thing to do is to not know what you, the listener, thinks and go watch it right now. <laughs> you'll, you'll put it in your DVD player and see what you think. Uh, you know, and maybe it comes from the fact that you were much more of a, an original series fan than I am. Maybe because the original series, I find you know, I can take it or leave it when I watch it. 
Um, Star Trek Two is travesty. Where, Star Trek Two is when I can jump on and I can go, okay, I get this. This speaks to me in a way that the others don't. Um, so maybe that's maybe that's part of it. Maybe next gen and forward, next gen and forward fans, they feel like their Kirk is the movie Kirk. And that's how I feel. I feel like my Kirk is the movie Kirk. I relate to him a lot more than I do to the original series Kirk. But we've talked about that before. Yeah, because you're just, you know, weird. Or or we can have a difference of opinion without judging one another. Nope, judgy eyes. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm being destroyed. Um, all right. We are we geeked out, and it was fun. And uh, I thought it was good. And everybody should understand that Kirk's the best. Kirk is on L.A. Noir. And oh my God, that would be so fucking awesome. Wouldn't it be? He's not really. Sorry. Oh, that would be, be awesome the coolest though. thing. If, if they had Shatner in one of the cases, that would be And so it was young Shatner. Awesome. And he was nude. Oh. Except for a t-shirt that said Alexia on it. No. You you don't want him? No, no. He would just have a tattoo across his Oh, across, chest. Uh, across his beard. <laughs> <laughs> but it would, but but his but his tattoo across really, his bare pristine chest from when he was uh, young on the show. <laughs> his, his tattoo would pronounce your name wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, it would not. As a matter of fact, Just, it would say it right. It would be because lo- he's that lo- much of a badass. Lo- lowercase a l uppercase e, and you'd be like, fuck. No, no, it would because what would happen is it would be it would be crossed like his chesticles, and like he would his chesticles. <laughs> he would, he would, he would <laughs> And he would flex them in such a way that the emphasis is correct on how you say my name because he's that fucking talented. You know what? And then your name would become Aaliyah, like the bald, the the bald science officer on Star Trek: The Motion Picture. Gosh, she's so pretty. Seriously, she is pretty, and beautiful. she's like dead. I mean, you you have she to be died. to go bald. She died. So did Carol Marcus. I looked her up, and she that actress died like in 1996, at the age of like 56 or 58 of breast cancer. Oh it was no. really Yeah, bum me out. But she did win a couple of awards like really late in her career. Which, really? So at least that happened. Well, that's good. At least she sort of went out on top, which is cool. She was working like doing like ER and LA Law and, like like right up to the end. Oh, wow. So so mad props to her. So good for her. Yeah, good um, for her. I mean, except I like for the whole dying Well, I mean, thing. that part sucks. That part sucks. But the rest of it, you know, that, at least she... I, lo- I love hearing when people are faced with a terminal situation that they, they go out like on top they you know they they go out on yeah. champ so you know good on her for that um well it's a sour note to wow end way to way to bring everything down dude <laughs> we were just talking about good things like naked kirk yeah, naked kirk and, <laughs> and then you just bring up death and shit breast cancer oh no <laughs> like, what the fuck well, sorry. i was having I'm a sorry. lovely little fantasy thank you i'm sorry i'm sorry um <laughs> i was rubbing lotion on his he was calling you Aaliyah. Um, no, he was not. He was calling me by my name. Oh, um, my God. If I could hear Shatner say my name just once, that would be so bad. If I ever meet him, I'll ask him to say your oh name. Oh, my God. And just and the, like have your phone out and just record it because like, that would be awesome. That would be amazing. That would be so amazing. Um, uh, check out the other podcast at nlightpodcast.com. Um, you can check out Pop Off uh, where we talk about stuff like this, but we talk about other things that it's not Star Trek. We uh, also have Ninjas versus You where you meet. Which is not true because everything's like Star Trek. Um, and then you have Ninjas versus You, where we talk about uh, the Ninjas versus movies. We've got uh, the Hot Mess with Phil Stamper. You should listen to that. Cool entertainment mashup. So it's also the show that has the the shortest delay that like goes up like three days after it's recorded, which is cool. Um, and uh, and the Suckcast, which we already talked about, and of course us. We have lots of episodes that you can download. Look us up EPN on iTunes and uh, Ninjas versus Vampires dot com for the movie, and that's it, right? I think so, and, it. and it's all about Star Trek. And there's ninjas versus zombies, but you know, get that or not, whatever. Um. <laughs> get that one. I'm in that one. Uh, you're in the other one too. 
for like a lot less time. I'm like almost every zombie in the first one. <laughs> Mr. A has more screen time in the second one though than he does in the first one. That's true. He does. And a fight scene. Um, so uh that's it, man. I'm Justin. And I'm Alexia. Trick off. Trick off, bitches. German. Ninjas versus vampires, bitches. That's on DVD. Reviewers have called it one of the 10 best indie horror films of 2010. 10 awesomes, Jason yeah. Mewes. <laughs> Basically, what would happen if Brody, uh, Randall, and Jay from our movies became ninjas and had to fight vampires? Come on. This is available in most DVD stores, Amazon, Walmart, online, etc., but if you order from ninjasversusvampires.com, that's ninjas, N-I-N-J-A-S, and then versus V-S, and then vampires, V-A-M-P-I-R-E-S.com, take you a little extra effort to go to their site, but do it. Buy directly from them, man, because then they keep, get to keep more of it. Uh, while you're there, check out the End, End Light Podcast Network, endlightpodcast.com with not safe for work uh, content uh, podcasts about movies and Star Trek. Yeah. Support Kev fans who make movies that Kev would like. Or now we call them Little Musters. Yeah, Little Musters. Let's direct your whole Little Musters army, which is all uh, up to about 12 people. Over to ninjasversusvampires.com. Yep.